0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Kromolo, and we are officially less than two and a half weeks away from the 2021 NFL Draft. And from now until then, we here at Sports Crutch will continue to bring you nonstop, in-depth coverage on what your favorite team ought to do in order to improve. In that regard, we continue our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour with a stop in the division that only took seven wins to clinch last season, that of course speak the NFC East. And joining us tonight to discuss the draft agendas of the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and Washington football team, it's a pleasure to welcome back our good friend Cole Thompson back to the program. Cole currently resides at SI.com where he writes about the Houston Texans and Fansided.com where he covers the entire NFL. It's a pleasure to
1: talk some football with
0: you again, Cole. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I also cover the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm dabbling in some New York Giants, so I am a jack-of-all-trades, I think I might be the perfect person to be talking about the NFC East this upcoming draft.
0: (laughs) Oh, and we are glad to have you on for that reason, as well as many others, but uh, for the sake of the NFC East, let's start off with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's hard to believe that just three years after winning Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagles, they appear to be in full rebuild mode. And uh, we could tell because uh, they have a very good chance at owning three first round picks next year because of the Carson Wentz trade and the the trade with the Dolphins that saw them go from the six overall pick all the way down to the 12th. And as a result, some people believe the Eagles are 100% not going to take a quarterback in the first round, despite uh, an embarrassment of riches at the p- quarterback position in the first round this year. But that said, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported over the weekend that many around the NFL still expect the Eagles to take a quarterback at some point in the draft. And we all know Howie Roseman as a petchet for making big, bold trades, as we just saw in recent weeks and several years ago with the the original trade at draft Carson Wentz. And given all that, would you be surprised if the Eagles decided to use all the draft capital they've accumulated to trade back into the top ten if a certain quarterback falls past the top five?
1: You know, I would. I, I talked to a lot of different people this past couple months, and the biggest thing of all was everyone said that it was Zach Wilson or bust. This was the guy they really liked. This was the guy they were very high on this was a player that they believed was going to be a game changer at the position and when they tried to get up to pick number three originally with the miami dolphins they were basically told good luck getting your guy he will not be there at three which ultimately means zach wilson the quarterback from byu will be there at pick number two so when that happened it allowed them to be able to move back uh, with the Miami Dolphins, who traded, of course, for all those plethora of picks from the San Francisco 49ers and really set themselves up in a good spot for the future of the organization. Now, keep in mind, the pick that they received was not the pick from San Francisco. It was the pick that Miami is originally picking. So Miami actually loses their first-round pick, and they get San Francisco's first-round pick in 2022. So for the Eagles, if everything hits the way Miami is looking it to, they're probably picking somewhere in the 20 range, not in the top 15 range like it would be if San Francisco has some downfall this upcoming year, despite having all this draft capital go to, to get a quarterback. But I look at this deal right now, and I think I could see them getting a quarterback, maybe like a Kellen Mond, maybe like a um, a, a KJ Costello, something along the lines of that that allows them to have somewhat of a competition for Nick Sirianni's team with Jalen Hurts, just as you know, a primary backup. Because we don't really know if Joe Flacco is going to be the main guy. We don't really know if Jalen Hurts is going to hit. And they do have a lot of pieces that are on the roster right now that I do think can be good. I I actually am not, you know, upset with Jalen Rager. I think that he could have a really good bounce back year. I like Travis Fulgham. I think that there's a couple of other players on the defensive side of the ball. Derek Barnett, who still have some good years left in them. And then, of course, the veterans, Fletcher Cox, Dallas Goddard. Um, I, I even think Miles Sanders can have a really good year next year so. Nick Sirianni's in a decent spot, but I think the biggest thing of all is if they're going to trade anything, I expect them to be a team that potentially trades back into the first round with a Buffalo Bills, with a New Orleans Saints, give up a little bit of draft capital to go get a primary cornerback like a J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Big physical, uh, that dog, top dog mentality, big time uh, uh, press cover corner, someone who's in your face like a Richard Sherman to go at number 12, and then probably at like pick number 30, go back up, get you guys a perimeter receiver, your A.J. Brown, your Michael Gallup-type player, and Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I see that more so happening than them trading back up into the top 10, especially when they were picking at six, to just go ahead and take a quarterback.
0: Oh, thank you very much for clarifying that situation, especially with that Zach Wilson nugget, Cole. Thank you uh, very much. And uh, now with the Eagles' uh, main concerns aside for the moment, let's talk about the Cowboys. And when it comes to the Cowboys, most expect them to go defense early, particularly at corner. However, you also just paid a fortune to Dak Prescott, and that once-heralded offensive line just ain't what it used to be. We got Travis Frederick retired and Tyrod Smith aging and gradually continuing to break down. And let's say Panay Sewell and or Rashawn Slater are available at 10. Possible but unlikely. But let's say they are, either one of them. Would you prioritize them over any defender if you were Jerry Jones?
1: So if I'm Jerry Jones and they're at 10, I still go defensive back. You have a brand new defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn. He had the luxury of working with Desmond Trufant, working with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. And he really got the career started for Keanu Neal. Now, Neal's back with him in Dallas, and they also added Demonte Caziz, the uh, rangy ball-hawking safety from Atlanta who came out of San Diego State in, I want to say it was 2017. So you have your secondary a little bit better, but you need a number one cornerback. I mean, Trevon Diggs, as good as he is, he's primarily always been a number two. He was the number two at Alabama, opposite of, I forget who, I think it was Levi Wallace his first two years, and then it was uh, Patrick Sertan his last year in college. So Sertan could be on the board, and I definitely think that that would be a great fit for them. He's probably the most well-rounded corner, but another guy that they really like is J.C. Horn. And when you look at his 40 time, a 4-3-7 at the the NFL Combine, I mean at the South Carolina Pro Day, when you look at his physicality, when you look at his ball skills, when you look at everything that Dan Quinn had in Richard Sherman, it's almost like an exact clone in J.C. Horn. So it would make a lot of sense to go get that guy. But... Draft Nugget here on the Rich Eisen show earlier this week, Florida tight end Kyle Pitts said he has met with the Cowboys. The biggest thing of all is if Jerry Jones wants a player, he will go and get a player. Everyone remembers this, and this was a story that kind of broke right after the drafts. Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys were very set on taking Caleb on chase out of LSU with that number 17 pick. But the draft board fell to where CeeDee Lamb was higher on their draft board than Caleb on chase on. So they added him. And imagine what this offense would have been this past season after being number one in 2019 with Dak Prescott if Prescott did not get injured. We were about, I think it was, maybe 55 yards away from CeeDee Lamb having a 1,000-yard season. Add Kyle Pitts to that offense. It becomes unfair. But here's the best part of it all it makes a lot of sense for one reason. It gets pressure off of Jerry Jones for signing Dak Prescott to a long-term deal. This is a very deep offensive tackle class. This is a very deep cornerback class. This is not a deep tight end class. And you do need to at least consider upgrading over Blake Jarwin, who's coming off a season-ending surgery, and Dalton Schultz, who will be a free agent at the end of this year. You have now him, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard, all as weapons for Prescott, and an offensive line that is supposed to be healthy the very first time it will be since 2019. There are no excuses for Dak Prescott in this offense to be solidifiedly anything less than top three in the NFL this upcoming year. On top of that, it will put more fans in the seats. It's also a marketing ploy. Kyle pitches the highest rated tight end anyone has seen, probably since the likes of Tony Gonzalez, and Tony Gonzalez... When drafted, was not highly viewed as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. He had to prove that he was one of the greatest tight ends of all time. We're talking about Kyle Pitts already in that range, the six foot six unicorn out of Florida. It bribes in ticket sales, it adds on to jersey sales, it adds on to a lot of different ways. So don't be shocked if on draft night you see Dallas make a trade with a team like the Atlanta Falcons, like the Cincinnati Bengals, and go get Kyle Pitts. But if they stay at 10, you gotta go defense.
0: Oh, very interesting nugget there, Colin. I heard about uh, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys uh, it reported infatuation with Kyle Pitts and rightfully so Kyle Pitts uh, may be the best prospect of this draft class period, at least not named Trevor Lawrence. So uh, I definitely understand where the, what the Cowboys are thinking with Kyle Pitts. He would be, uh, uh, make their offense from a great offense to potentially a legendary offense if you put him in there and Dak Prescott stays healthy. But that said, um, I have also heard um, credible reports that the Atlanta Falcons, while open to moving down, they um, are currently leaning towards keeping the pick, and they love Kyle Pitts themselves. And if a quarterback they don't like is there at four, they'll happily sit there and take Kyle Pitts. But suppose Kyle Pitts falls past four and the Bagels stay put. Another team looking to move down is the Detroit Lions. Could you see the Cowboys uh, moving up with the uh, Detroit Lions today have Pitts if he falls uh, past uh, six?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely I could. I could see them going anywhere between four, five, seven, and eight. I believe Carolina, now that they have their quarterback in the future, or I would say at least for two years in Sam Darnold, even if the draft board falls away to where a guy like Trey Lance lands in Carolina, I don't see them addressing that need when they really need a left tackle, when they really need a number one cornerback, when they really need a player who can be that game changer. And, and again, it is a very deep draft class. But I also think Carolina could use him uh, because if Kyle Pitts, they need a tight end and you could get as many weapons as possible for Sam Darnold to be successful. But if you're willing to trade, say, if you, just two spots back for a 2021 third-round pick, the number 10 pick, and let's just say a 2022 fourth and a, a, a third-round compensation pick. I mean, that, that's a big draft haul for you to move back two spots, still get a position of need, and probably land either a tight end this year or next year and hope that Sam Darnold can hit with these other wide receivers and offensive tackles that you add. Same thing with, I think, uh, Detroit. You know, they they really like defensive players. I think if they're really looking to go that defensive route because it is such a loaded wide receiver class. But it doesn't make sense to take a defensive player at pick number seven. It kind of does at pick number 10. And I think that with Cincinnati, you know, there's a lot of ways for Cincinnati to go. Offensive tackle, there's the report of them possibly going after Jamar Chase because of the love for Joe Burrow. All of these aside, it puts them in a very good spot to where I could see Dallas making a move with any one of these teams to move up, especially if Atlanta passes on pits at four.
0: Yes, that will be the thing to watch on draft night when the Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. If they uh, pass out Kyle Pitts, watch out for the Cowboys, folks. And on to the New York Giants, where Joe Judge is very quietly building a rock-solid program there. You got a pretty stout defense, and the addition of Kenny Galladay at free agency gives them a very promising stable of offensive weapons, especially if Saquon Barkley stays out of the trainer's room. But that said... How the Giants fare this season will almost entirely depend on whether Daniel Jones or, as we call him on this podcast, Steely Dan, <laughs> takes a big leap forward. And at 11 overall, do you think the Giants should address the main weakness left on their defense, which is at edge, or potentially add another weapon to help out Daniel Jones, especially if either Jalen Wall or Devontae Smith fall?
1: So I've kind of teetered back and forth with this, and I think there's two spots where they can go. I've heard from a lot of people that Slowly but surely, Jalen Phillips has emerged as the number one edge defender. And I do think that when you look at this defense, they could use a guy like Jalen Phillips, especially for what Patrick Graham wants to run. He's a guy who can play a hybrid standing nine tech. He can be a Leo type role, very similar to what Carlos Dunlap does. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He can be effective as a very well-rounded pass rusher. But the other thing I will say, and this is a big one, the best way to protect a quarterback is not with great weapons, it's with great offensive line. I actually believe that Matt Pert played very well last year at the left tackle role and at the right tackle role. I think that Andrew Thomas, you already used a first-round pick on him. You got to see if he can hit for at least another season or two. So why not address that interior offensive line with a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC? This is, to me, one of the better polished pass protectors, no no matter the position, regardless of the role in the NFL draft. I very much like his footwork. I very much like his hand placement. And I think he's better suited as a guard. If anyone remembers how Brandon Sheriff was coming out of Iowa in 2015, it's a very similar concept. Guy who's going to play inside has the ability as a left tackle to make an impact as a pass blocker, as a guard It only enhances the offensive line. It gives more protection for Jones. And keep in mind, Jones has been a turnover machine, not just with interceptions, but really more so with fumbles because of how much pressure he's seeing. You go ahead and you get a number one receiver. You probably can go get a tight end later on if you want, but they were able to go add Kyle Rudolph. I think that with the edge class as a whole, maybe you get a guy like Joseph Osai out of Texas in round two. Maybe you can get a guy... Uh, like a Gregory Russo who's slowly slipping down draft boards left and right early in round two and maybe even do a trade-up. I think that you still need to probably go after maybe another cornerback. But when you can bolster your offensive line as best as possible, if a Rashawn Slater's there, go for it. He can play in, he can play out, he can do whatever. I don't know if he will, but what I do know is Elijah Vera Tucker should be there, and I really would be shocked for them to go this path, especially because of David Gettleman does not want to admit – He blew picking uh, Daniel Jones at pick number six. He wants to say, I made the right call. The best way to have a great quarterback is not with a great weaponry. It's with a great offensive line. Elijah Vera Tucker helps make this unit a much better offensive line.
0: Yes, plus uh, Dave Gettleman's all about those hog mollies, and when you say the term hog mollies, he's not talking about offensive tackles. He's talking about the big guys in the middle, and uh, getting a better guard play, especially for an almost strict pocket passer like Daniel Jones, is absolutely essential. It would be a quintessential Gettleman move to take Elijah Vera Tucker at 11.
1: I believe so. I I very much like Vera Tucker, and again, my comparison to him would be Brandon Sheriff. I I love what Sheriff was doing coming out of Iowa back in 2015. He was a smooth, easy, transitional guy, and that's why now he's on his second franchise tag because everyone knows he deserves to be the highest-paid guard in the NFL because he's been playing like it so consistently, and it's because of he spent all that time playing tackle. It took very little for him to adjust inside just because he had a little bit of a smaller arm. It's led to a Pro Bowl-like career. It's led to him and that Washington offensive line to be one of the best in the NFL consistently over the last five years. I think that if you go get a guy like um, like like Barrett Tucker, you're in a very good spot. And moving on to
0: the defending NFC East champion, Washington football team, and recent buzz has them as a top candidate, if not the top candidate, to make a huge move up the board, Most likely for a quarterback. However, let's say Trey Lance and Justin Fields don't fall far enough for them to pull the trigger, and I personally will not be shocked one iota if Trey Lance and Justin Fields are picks three and four, respectively, in either order, with the 49ers picking one of them at three and the Falcons taking one of them uh, at four. So let's say that happens, yet Mac Jones slips past the top ten. Should they move up to secure him in that scenario, especially if they believe that Matt Jones could stabilize their quarterback situation for at least the next five or seven
1: seasons? At that point, it's about price for me more than anything else. It's all about what kind of price can you get, how much you have to give up. Now, keep in mind, because of the Trent Williams deal, they have that extra third-round pick. That third-round pick will allow them to be able to play a little bit. So 74 and 82 are in a good spot to where if they would like to move one, they don't really have to move that far back. But where does he fall out? Where are we trading from? Are we trading with the Minnesota Vikings at pick 14? Are you trading with the Los Angeles Chargers that pick 13? Or are you trading with a team like the Arizona Cardinals that pick 16? All of that matters because of it shows how much you have to move up and how much the asking price is going to be. This is a Washington team that I actually am very impressed with. They did not do a lot this offseason, but what they did do was make enough moves to where they were setting themselves up to be in a very good spot for the future of them being a true full-on contender, getting guys like Curtis Samuel, William Jackson, even Ryan Fitzpatrick I still think can be a quality starter in the NFL for right now. But there's still holes at the left tackle position. There's still holes at the cover linebacker role. They need a free safety They still could bolster up the interior offensive line. And honestly, they could still get a wide receiver if they really wanted to. Maybe a burly back to pair with Antonio Gibson. I don't see why you would move up for a guy like Mac Jones, especially if you look at the teams ahead of them. None of them really need quarterbacks besides New England. And once New England passes on him, if you're set at Mac Jones being the franchise guy, wait to see if he's available at 19. There's no point to move up at that point for a quarterback if you aren't sold on him. But if he falls to you, it's a whole different story. Uh,
0: let's uh, talk about Matt Jones for just a little bit before we proceed to the next part of our program here. Uh, you went to the University of Alabama. I uh, have nothing against what Matt Jones did for the University <laughs> of Alabama this year. He did his job. He uh, distributed the ball to the weapons and They were able to make plays exactly when they needed them all the way to that uh, other national championship victory uh, to add to the impressive uh, collection that Nick Saban has put together uh, down uh, in Tuscaloosa. But I think the talk of him being a top three pick, let alone a top ten pick is a big bunch of baloney, so to speak, because Matt Jones, you look at him, he's like Andy Dalton 2.0 at best, and those types of quarterbacks, you don't draft in the top 10, in my opinion, because if you just draft, what you see is what you get quarterback in the top 10, and uh, he just delivers mediocrity as he's expected to, that's like a huge, huge waste of resources. What do you think?
1: So I would say he's more of like a Sam Darnold, Mitchell Trubisky has to be a system guy going to the right fit, right scheme. And if he doesn't go to that scheme, he's not going to be able to work. However, that right scheme is San Francisco. Those are one of those few schemes where I think automatically, boom, immediate fit immediately will do well, will be a very good player, will be able to cont- keep a team contending because if it's exactly what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a quarterback. High percentage ratio, great completion rating, good decision-making, great vision, extremely well-versed IQ. I have a couple guys that I still talk to in Alabama, and when Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for Alabama, he sat down, not with Nick Saban, but with Mac Jones in a room for three days to get caught up on what Saban likes to run with his offense, so I take nothing away from Mac Jones. I have him on my big board probably around in the 30 range, 35 range. But an IQ standpoint, that alone makes him a very valuable upside quarterback. But again, he is a system quarterback. If he doesn't go to the right system, he is going to be in for a world of hurt. So a team like San Francisco makes absolute tons of sense to go draft Mac Jones. It doesn't at three. It does at 12. A team like the New Orleans Saints I think makes a ton of sense to go get Mac Jones at pick 28, not at pick number four, not at pick number seven. I even think a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mac Canada, what they're looking for, would make sense. But at pick 24, not at pick number five. If if you go to the right fit, I think Mac Jones is going to have one heck of a career. But I think what's going to be really important is how these two pro days for Trey Lance and Justin Fields work out, Kyle Shanahan and – uh, uh, John Lyncher going to both on Wednesday and next Monday. So however that works out, we're going to get a more clear picture of what San Francisco should do at pick number three. If Jones is not the pick at number three, I don't know where he lands. I think Chicago probably will take a risk on him. And if anything else, I could see Pittsburgh probably taking him at pick 24.
0: He is Cole Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. Jack of all trades. Fadsided.com, messside.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. MR Cole Thompson. And Cole, now it's time to do our three round mocks for each NFC East team, starting with the Eagles. And uh, they're on the clock at pick 12. And look who's available. Devontae Smith is the best player available on the board. And uh, they need a true number one wide receiver. But you also got uh, Christian Darasaw. Uh, and Andre Dillard uh, has it panned out well at left tackle so far, and Darisaw could be a potential long term answer there. Uh, Michael Parsons, uh, linebacker, or Elijah Vera Tucker, still on the board. Um, uh, Jalen Phillips, uh, Tevin Jacobs, Aziz Ojalari, but you also have R- Rashad Slater on the board as well, silly me. God, I skipped over his name. Rashad Slater is the best player on the board, not Devontae Smith. So if it's between Rashad Slater, Devontae Smith, Christian Derisaw, or Michael Parsons, who do you take for the Eagles at this situation at 12?
1: So the history says that they will not take a linebacker in the first round, even though they desperately need one. They haven't taken one since 1979. At this point, you got to get a clean route runner, you got to get somebody who can pair very well with the speed. Of what Jalen Rager has. I think Travis Fulgham's a very good receiver. I think he's also a little bit limited. And you know that there are definitely pieces there. Um, is Jalen Waddle on the board? No, he's not. So Jalen Waddle's off the board. I gotta go to Devonta Smith then. You gotta get a good route runner, the Heisman Trophy winner. As talented as he is, I do worry about his size. I do worry about how he is going to fare up against these 210-pound cornerbacks going up against them consistently. But again, I've watched him in college. I've watched him face off against top-level talent, guys like Derek Stingley, guys like J.C. Horn. He's found ways to win over them. Imagine him in a Nick Sirianni offense to play that T.Y. Hilton, maybe even a um, what what an old Reggie Wayne-type role would be. Pair him up with Jalen Rager. Let Rager be your vertical threat. Let him be your intermediate player, the possessional receiver. This will be a guy who is a consistent 70- to 80 85-yard catch guy a season.
0: Uh, Yeah, his size is the only concern I have about him. I believe he is going to be the first uh, player that's uh, taller than six feet tall, but uh, less than 180 pounds to be drafted since this guy Snoop Minnis was taken by the Kansas City Chiefs in the third round of 2001, and that courtesy of our friend Jordan Reed uh, at the Draft Network. And now we're back on the clock with the 37th overall pick at round two, and uh, uh, they need a corner, and the best corners on the board are Eric Stokes of Georgia, or uh, Calvin Joseph of Kentucky, uh, that linebackers, uh, you got Baron Browning of Ohio State and Nick Bolton of Missouri uh, still on the board. Uh, those are the, their two most important positions of need on defense. Uh, what do you think?
1: If I'm at this point right now, I would feel a lot more comfortable taking Nick Bolton. I very much like Nick Bolton. I think that he's going to be a very interesting linebacker prospect. But the biggest thing of all for him is I do not see him as a round one guy. I see him more as an early round two guy. So this is a guy... Who I think really is going to come in and make a lot of sense. He's pro ready, he carries himself with really good confidence. He's great building his way through traffic, maneuvering his way up into this first level of the defense. He does a very good job playing the run, excellent decision making. He's a quick process kind of guy, doesn't have a lot of splash, but he makes a lot of big time tackles. He is a starting middle linebacker for your team. Does a lot of good things overall. I want to see him get a little bit better as a blitzer. I want to be able to see him be a little bit more effective in coverage. But overall, if you're looking for a well-rounded linebacker to play the middle deal, Nick Bolton makes a lot of sense for Nick Sirianni. Get yourself an Anthony Walker 2.0.
0: So we have uh, Devontae Smith and Nick Bolton so far for the Eagles in this three-round mock. And now with their first of two third-round picks this year, their own at 70 overall, uh, they need a tight end uh, because they're probably going to part ways with Zach Gertz sooner rather than later. And uh, Dallas Goddard, I believe, this is the final year of his uh, rookie deal. And you got Breva Jordan and Tommy Tremble still on the board. But you also uh, could use some safety help as well. And you got Richie Grant from UCF still on the board. And in terms of uh, corner, uh, uh, corner, the cupboard's pretty bare, though. Tyson Cavill of Georgia is the best corner still left on the board. What do you think, Cole?
1: So if I have to go here and Richie Grant's that far down, he is in my top 30 players. I 100% am running to the board and get myself Richie Grant. Get yourself a center fielder, exactly what you wanted from Malik Hooker before all those injuries ever came. Go ahead and get your guy who can play well in coverage. Bait, uh, bait, uh, bait uh, Offensive, offensive, not offensive linemen, uh Wide receivers to mm-hmm. play the role over the top. Allow your quarterback to maybe undershoot his target, and then he runs up and makes a big time play. He's so versatile in his schemes. I very much like him in a cover one set. I think what Jonathan Gannon, the uh the new defense coordinator, is gonna be running for this team, is gonna call on a lot of either cover ones or a lot of systems to where they have one safety play deeper back and the other kind of play in a zone system where they're playing more the flats or the first or the second level of the defense. I think you need a rangy guy. If he's there this late, you have to take Richie Grant.
0: A uh, pretty good mock we've put together for the Eagles so far. Devontae Smith in the first round at 12 overall. Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri at 37 overall in the second round with their first of two third-round picks. Richie Grant, the safety from UCF at 70 overall and now at 84 overall, the pick they got in the Carson Wentz deal. And uh, uh, the cupboard is kind of bare right now uh, in terms of their bigger, biggest areas needs tight end and corner. It's, it, it's pretty bare. Like the best corner on, on the board, at least as far as the draft network is concerned, is Elijah Griffin out of the USC or Benjamin St. Juiced, uh, from Minnesota. But for tight ends, he got Hunter long out of Boston college, uh, another cornerback, Robert Rochelle from, uh, central Arkansas, uh, but in terms of, like, a potential future offensive tackle, that you're still looking for that bookhead tackle opposite Lane Johnson. You got Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, who's an athletic freak. And, uh... Um I don't know. Uh, or if uh, you want the, your developmental quarterback, uh, Kellen Mond of Texas A&M, or another tackle Stone Forsythe out of Florida. What do you think, Cole?
1: <laughs> if, if I'm going to go to this point, I'm going to go with Spencer Brown. I think Spencer Brown has the ability to be kind of a better player because here's the biggest thing of all. He was a former quarterback. He threw 17 touchdowns, and he also played linebacker, so he understands what you look for in a pass-protecting set. He understands not just about first step but how uh how linebackers are willing to take that second step that that shut underneath the uh the, the the push and pull to grab players and and drag them out of the way he is one of those guys who i think has a very good upside i think his lowest end is he's a swing tackle he can play the left side the right side he's a he's a full-on backup who probably does a good job at, at, as filling in for kind of a short length but The one thing that worries me about him is, is his bend going to be as good as these other players? He's coming from a very small school, as we mentioned, Northern Iowa, but you look at the intangibles of what he has. I think he stands at six foot eight. I I mean, when you are a six foot eight player, you're going to be playing always a little bit higher, but you're going to be able to have that leverage with those long arms, those long legs to be able to plant your foot in the ground and hold your own block. Jalen Hurts needs as much protection as possible. We haven't seen it from Andre Dillard. How much longer is Lane Johnson going to be in the NFL? This is a a project player, but I do think he is a very good project player. And that does
0: it for our three-round mark for the Eagles. And now on to the Cowboys. And you will never believe who is staring them right in the face at 10 overall in this situation. Kyle Pitts. Is it him?
1: him? Yes, it's Kyle Pitts, and that's highly unlikely to happen. Lock it up. Lock it up. I'm not even going to do anything on this guy. Come on. If Kyle Pitts falls to number 10 of the Dallas Cowboys, one, Roger Goodell needs to step in and go, all right, guys, you have to trade him. And number two, the NFL has to realize we messed up. Oh, we messed up. Imagine adding this guy, just a talented perimeter guy who can be an inline blocker, do a little bit as a pass protector, find a way to be a good run blocker and just work all over the field. I know that they need defensive backs. This is a very good defensive back class. You have to go get Kyle Pitts if he's available at 10. I'm not going to do anything else. Uh, you said it, Cole. And
0: uh, But in reality, it would be a shock if he fell all the way to 10. But if he does fall past the Falcons at four, as you mentioned earlier in the program, watch out for the Cowboys to do all they can to trade up and secure his services. And now, back on the board at 44 overall for the Cowboys, uh... Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky is the best corner on the board. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State, or Aaron Robinson of UCF, uh, still available, or Elijah Molden uh, out of Washington. Would you take any of those four corners here at 44?
1: So I have to think about this for a second, because I think Asante Samuel would be probably the one I would look at the most, just because of his NFL background with his dad. Uh, But I do wonder, is he going to be a guy who is best used in the slot? Is he just because of his size? I think he comes in at... Five foot eleven or five foot ten. That may worry me a little bit. Um who do they have at safety right now available? Uh safety. Let me uh, let me see
0: safety. Uh Javon Holland of Oregon, Jamar Johnson of Indiana, or Richie Grant from UCF. But since we gave Richie Grant to the Eagles, we can't take him as part of this All exercise. right,
1: so so we won't take Richie Grant, but um Jamar Johnson in round two seems a little too high. I very much like Jamar Johnson. I think that he's gonna be a stout player at the next level, but He's a little bit too high. So when I look at these receivers and I look at these cornerbacks right now, if I had to go with anyone, the one that would make the most sense to me is Javon Holland here. I think that if you go get Javon Holland, he's a guy who's going to be able to play exactly what you want as that strong safety player. He's versatile, good size. He has pretty good instincts. He's actually not terrible when it comes to going after the ball and coverage. He's a great downfield tackler. He's actually shown a little bit of an ability to flash and putt returns as well. He's good in off man coverage. He's okay. in overall against zone, but what I really like about him is that he was a former receiver that transitioned over to defensive back, which means he understands what goes inside a receiver's mind. He understands what he's looking for in the footwork, what he's looking for in the head turn, what he's looking for in hands, and he knows how to play the ball. So I think overall, You have Devontae Kaziz, he's on a one-year deal. You have Keanu Neal, he's on a one-year deal. Whichever one of these two hits, great. Whichever one of these two don't, go ahead and replace him with Javon Holland. I do think that there are a couple cornerbacks that I could get in round three that would make a lot of sense. So Holland being your long-term answer at safety is not a bad idea.
0: Um, Javon Holland is still a consideration, but let's take a look at some of the offensive linemen or interior defensive linemen still on the board. Levi Onzerike of Washington is still on the board, and the Cowboys do have a glaring need at that position. And uh, the, the interior offensive line, like outside of Zach Martin, still some uncertainty. But if you want to get a long-term center, Creed Humphrey of Oklahoma is still on the board. Or if you want to book at guard for Zach Martin, Wyatt Davis of Ohio State is still on the board. Would you take so any we went, one of those two or Levi Onsarike ahead of Javon Holland at forty-four?
1: So if I'm going based off need alone, I can't go offense. I have to go defense with this pick because if I just went offense with Kyle Pitts, that's the way that I'm viewing this from a draft board standpoint. But if I were to go one of these two, I probably would go Wyatt Davis. I am a little concerned because of the injury that did he he did suffer in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, playoff. But I do think overall, he's a good overall player that's going to help you protect the interior for Ezekiel Elliott in the running game and for Dak Prescott in the passing game. I just am a little concerned. And after going offense in the first round, my brain immediately is saying, okay, I have to go defense. I have to go defense. If I can go ahead and maybe trade back to go get a guy like Holland or maybe a guy like Richie Grant a little bit later, who, again, we can't take in this mock because that's exactly who I'd be picking right here. I would probably do that, but I don't see myself doing that right here only because of, I went off into the first round.
0: Uh, yes. So, uh, Levi owns or Javon Holland at 44. Who's your pick?
1: Easily it would be Javon Holland,
0: Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon and a pretty good hybrid player from what I've heard as well, uh, goes to the Cowboys with their second round pick in this three round mock and, uh, the clock is, uh, Rapidly, uh, coming back to the Cowboys, uh, with their first of two third round selections, they got a first, a third round selection at 75 and another one at 99, which is, I believe, a compensatory, uh, selection. And, uh, the Cowboys are coming right up with the, the 75th pick overall. And let's see who's still available. Um, uh, Tommy Togiai, an interior defensive lineman from Ohio State, still available. Um, Pete Werner, linebacker, Ohio State, uh, although they don't need linebackers. Quinn Miners, uh, the best uh, gut in America right now, so to speak, from a Wisconsin Whitewater, still available. The best corner on the board is Tyson Campbell uh, out of uh, Georgia. And uh, Paul Sedatibo from Stanford, which is a, it sounds like a Seahawk type corner. And Dan Quinn obviously runs a similar system, so he could be in play here.
1: So I really do like Paulson. I would wait until 95 to go get him. So I have to look at what I have right now. Just out of curiosity, is Joe Tyron still on the board? Um, Joe
0: Joe Tryon, tryon the edge?
1: Tryon. Yeah. Tryon Joe edge. Tryon,
0: no. He's gone.
1: Wow. Okay, because this would be a really good spot to take Joe Tryon. And a lot of people I've spoken to actually think that he's going to be a really good fit if he would be available for Dallas. So I look at this team right now. I think that if I have to go with somebody – I will go with Tyson Campbell here. This is a guy who I think has the physical, uh, physical traits that Dan Campbell is looking. I mean, Dan Quinn's looking for in his number one cornerback. Uh, Definitely an outside guy has the frame six foot through uh, one. I think he is had a really solid pro day overall at Georgia, really good time, pretty good speed Uh, played in all, uh, all 11 games this past year Uh, had 10 pass breakups, 29 total tackles, only one interception, which does worry me, but I think he's going to be able to make a lot of plays on the ball. Smooth hips, easily coming out of his backpedal, isn't afraid to play a little bit high, has that physicality, good natural man coverage type player. Uh, Definitely someone who is able to read, react, and also recover if he is beaten on the long ball. So I think that when you look at the change in direction of him and what he brings, get Trevon Diggs, who had three interceptions last year. He'll be more so your interception guy. Maybe you go ahead and you keep Jordan Lewis to be your slot defender. Go at Tyson Campbell on the outside. This defense is looking already a little bit better with Javon Holland being in my rot- uh, like my rotating guy, and I now have Tyson Campbell.
0: And we conclude this uh, three-round mock for the Cowboys with the 99th overall pick, and uh, they need an interior defensive lineman still, a Jay Tufele of the USC, Uh, is still uh, on the board, but uh, you mentioned potential edge help for them. Jordan Smith of UAB is also available, and if you want a project tackle, got James Hudson uh, out of Cincinnati,
1: Um, where would you go? If you want my honest opinion, it is exactly the last name that you were going to say. I was waiting for you to pull him up. James Hudson is a guy who I believe has all the intangibles to be an all-pro tackle. The biggest knock against him is he has, I think, twelve career starts at Cincinnati. But when you look at his frame and you look at his size and exactly what he brings and what he did this past season, especially for uh, Je- Desmond Ritter as as an offensive tackle, there's a lot to really like with this kid. He's got the good size at six foot five, good overall weight, three thirteen. Did a very good job playing as an athletic, strong-handed player. But I do think he is better suited at the right tackle position than the left tackle position. So what you can do is you can move Lyle Collins in after this season to replace Connor Williams, who will be an impending free agent. You put him there. I think Tyron Smith has about three good years left. This is a guy who's going to be able to learn, have good lateral quickness to reach the second level of the defense to be able to be a good run blocker. He is able to move like a tight end and cut off linebackers in run protection. He's just got to get better as a pass blocker. You want to go protect Dak Prescott so he lives up to that contract. Get him Kyle Pitts add another element to the passing game, get him James Hudson. And in about two years, you're going to be able to have a replacement for Collins who can move inside. I believe Tyler Biotis is going to be a very good offensive center for the next couple years. You pair him up with Tyron Smith. This defense has now Javon Holland. They have Tyson Campbell. I think that they were able to make some good moves. This is not a bad team. And I definitely think that the offense is going to be the storyline, but if Dan Quinn is the defense coordinator we know and love he's going to be able to step up immediately and help out with his team.
0: And that does it for the three round mock draft for the Cowboys. And now on to the giants who at 11 overall, uh, uh, Let's see who's available for them. Uh, You got Christian Darisoff from Virginia Tech available, but Elijah Vera Tucker is available too. Uh, But uh, Micah Parsons, Devontae Smith are still available. And uh, for some reason, Kyle Pitts is still available here too. But we can't take him because we gave him to the Cowboys. So uh, do we go Elijah Vera Tucker here, Cole?
1: I mean, if I could trade back at this point, like to 15, if there was a quarterback still on the board, I 100% would. I would try to move back and gain a few more picks. Uh, We're not going to do that in this mock, so I'm going to go Elijah Vera Tucker. This is a guy who I very much think is overall one of the better pass protectors in this draft class. This is someone who has played tackle his entire career, but I do think he's going to make a living inside as a guard. And when you look at what Will Hernandez brings to this team, when you look at what I think Matt Pert did last season. You look at what I think the upside is with Andrew Thomas overall. This is a mauler. This is someone who is going to be that big brawny guy that opens up the run game. And I think everyone forgets Saquon Barkley still is a part of the New York football giants and is a pretty dang good running back, if I'm not mistaken, just because he missed all of last season with the torn ACL. But this is a guy who I would consider to be a forklift type player. He's going to lift you up, and he's going to take you where you need to be, and that's away from the quarterback, away from the running game, the best friend of a quarterback. Everyone always says, oh, it's a go-to wide receiver. Nope, it is the five men up front blocking. If Daniel Jones wants to be the quarterback in the future, go ahead and get protection. Elijah Tucker makes so much sense for Dave Gettleman and for Joe Judge, who comes from a system in New England that loves to build an offensive line.
0: And that is the exact reason why the Cincinnati Bagels would be foolish to pass on Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater with the fifth overall pick and take Jamar Chase instead, in my humble opinion. And uh, now the Giants are back on the clock at 42 overall, and they got a couple good defensive pieces on the board here. Baron Browning, a linebacker from Ohio State. They need more athleticism at that position, but you also got your man Joe Tryon from Washington still available. They need an edge, so Joe Tryon or Baron Browning.
1: Uh, Let me ask, who else is available at the linebacker spot right now? Um,
0: Bear Browning's the best linebacker available on the board. Jabril Cox is the second best.
1: Yeah, Cox is a little too soon for me right here. Uh, Who's the next best edge rusher?
0: Um, Ronnie Perkins, but he's not far behind uh, Tryon at all. Uh, Gregory Rousseau and Joseph Asai are are very close behind.
1: You know, if I'm going to go in this mock draft... I would actually probably go with Osai. I actually like Joseph Osai probably a little bit more than anyone else because of the biggest thing of all is he's played in both a 3-4 and a 4-3 set. So he can play as your standing nine technique. He can play with his hand in the dirt. And he was a great, uh, uh, I would say, pass rusher. Even though his sack total didn't match it at Texas, he was one of the more consistent players to pressure quarterbacks in the Big 12. One of the better players to add – Uh, that extra element to force quarterbacks to get the ball out faster. That's exactly what I think Patrick Graham needs. When you look at this roster, they added Ryan Anderson from the Washington football team. I don't think that he's that much of an upgrade. Lorenzo Carter, I think, is going to be an approve-it year. I think that you need to figure out what you're going to do with Ifede um, Ogbehanahe. I I, I, I know I'm butchering his name, but um, (laughs) I I want to see if O'Shane Zimenez can also step up. Why not add a little bit more competition on the edge? Osai actually fits exactly what I think Patrick Graham wants, a good run player, but one player who also can be very effective in coverage. I've watched Os- Osai being able to play what he did this past year in Chris Ass's formation. This should actually make a lot of sense for me, I think, if, if you're the Giants taking Osai here.
0: Yeah, so we got the Elijah Vera-Tucker in round one, Joseph Osai to fill the need at edge in round two, and last but not least, 76 overall round three, and uh, they do need help at linebacker. Uh, Pete Werner is still on the board. And when we had Bill Carroll on for our uh, linebacker special a couple weeks ago, he mentioned Pete Werner as a potential excellent fit for the uh, New York Giants. Uh, he was, I believe, uh, a defensive captain. He called the plays out on that Ohio State defense. Uh, he's a typical Joe Judge player, to think of it, or Chas Surratt out of uh, North Carolina to fill the uh, linebacker position. And uh, let's uh, see corners. You got Paul Sinadabo, I believe, is the best corner left. So, uh, But uh, would you take one of those two linebackers here?
1: You know, I like Pete Werner a lot. I do, and I do think that he is a versatile guy. But I do think he's better suited for a 4-3 system. I would rather see him maybe in Washington system at this point to where you could have him be built over time. Uh, maybe add some competition with Cole Holcomb. Maybe see if he could play the Mike linebacker position for uh, John Bostic after this year. What do they have at wide receiver right here? Uh,
0: We got Tylen Wallace, Dwayne Eskridge, and uh, those are the two best ones.
1: Okay, and who was the other linebacker that was right behind Pete Werner?
0: Chaz Surratt.
1: If I have to go with one of these two. You know what? I'll go Pete Warner. I, I will. I think that you kind of nailed it on the head with what Joe Judge is looking for. He wants a guy who's going to be your captain, your general, the guy who's going to make the calls, going to be the guy with the, with the microphone in his, head, in his headset. He's going to be the one who has played all the linebacker's roles, but he's going to be the one that's going to be able to be probably the most sideline-to-sideline sideline player. So you want to be good in coverage. You want to be able to play the run. This is a guy who makes a lot of high tackle plays. I just wonder if in this 3-4 set that Patrick Graham is running, he's going to be lost playing a one-gap role instead of a two-gap system. If he doesn't, then guess what? He's going to be in a very good spot to be the future uh, general of this defense instead of Blake Martinez. But I, I like that he is a good tackler. I like that he's going to be able to play the run. I just want to know who's going to be the cover guy who's going to be the run-stopping guy because if Blake Martinez has done a really good job – Playing at the line of scrimmage, that's why he has all these uh, you know, exasperated tackles. I think he's a little overrated, but he makes a ton of tackles on the day. If Werner can play a little bit better in coverage, I think that it's really going to be based off of matchup by matchup. If he can, then I can see how this fit works. And last but not least, the
0: Washington football team with four picks in the first three rounds. One of them from the Trent Williams trade last year, as you mentioned. It's starting with the 19th overall pick, all the quarterbacks are gone. And uh, let's look at uh, their two biggest needs are an offensive tackle and linebacker. Tevin Jacobs, the bully from Oklahoma State, is still on the board. And linebacker, you got Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo, although a lot of people see him more as a safety Uh, You also got uh, Zayvon Collins from Tulsa or Jamin Davis from Kentucky.
1: So Jamin Davis is a really interesting name. This is a guy who has risen up draft boards left and right. I talked to a scout not too long ago and they said, do not be shocked when he goes possibly top 15. That's just how much he has risen. But there's a name you just said, and I have had him as my linebacker number one since before the season. I am sticking to my guns because Jack Del Rio likes to run a lot of big nickel sets. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora is a perfect fit for what Jack Del Rio runs. This is a player who defies the laws of physics. There is a great article, if any of you are are subscribed to The Athletic, by Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame, talking about how the centrifugal force of hits from Owusu-Koromora are like getting hit by a car in a car accident. That's the type of player he is. Physical, really able to play the run, great IQ, quick reaction. Best of all, he is a cover linebacker. And what I love about him, Notre Dame was one of the few defenses under Clark Leah this past year who ran over 40% of plays in a 4-3 set, and they did not pull out one of their linebackers because – they had that guy in Awusu Koromora. You lose Kevin Pierre Lewis. You wanted to be able to go get a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. You don't know what you have at free safety. You know that Jack Del Rio likes to run with a big nickel. They do have some nickel defensive back needs. They also need a will linebacker. Kill two birds with one stone. Jeremiah owusu Koromora has been my linebacker number one since October, and he falls to the Washington Football Team. Excellent addition this would be my favorite pick of the NFL draft in the first
0: round. Ooh, interesting analysis there. Thank you, Cole. And uh, we're back on the clock again with the 51st overall pick, and uh, the cupboard is bare at uh, offensive tackle, and uh, we already gave him a linebacker. Um, Wyatt Davis is still on the board. If you want to fortify the interior of that offensive line, especially with Brandon Scherf having an uncertain future with the team on his second franchise tag, um, he could be an option here. Uh if you want to add a more depth at wide receiver, uh, to go along with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, you got got uh, Trevor Lawrence's top target from last season. Amari Rogers uh, still available. Uh, or Deami Brown of North Carolina. Uh, uh,
1: let me ask you, is Dylan Radins off the board?
0: Dylan Radins is off the board.
1: Ah, dang it. That'd, that'd be the perfect fit here. Um, who's the next best tackle after that?
0: uh jackson Carmen, but a lot of people think he's a guard
1: he's a guard he's a guard um who, what do you got at free safety or what do you have at safety right now
0: uh jamar johnson is still here along with but we gave richie grant to the eagles and we gave javon holland uh to the uh, dallas cowboys i believe so uh, we
1: we could did only pick jamar uh, johnson this becomes a little tough right here because of I, I i think it's still a little too soon to take jamar johnson um what do you have at quarterback a quarterback. Uh,
0: let's see. You got. Actually, uh, what do you have? A tight end. What do you have? A tight end. A tight end. They do have Logan Thomas, but he, uh, Pat Fryermuth is still available. True. I think. Lock it in. Pat Lock Fra- it in. Pat. Lock F- it in. Pat, F- Pat Fryermuth. Uh, is he the I, best tight end in this class? Not named uh, Kyle Pitts, in your view?
1: I. I. So here's the thing. I think that because of he had that shoulder injury really early on in the season, it kind of knocked him off of the radar, and a guy like Tommy Tremble was able to kind of move up the board, but. When you're looking for your stereotypical type of tight end, like a, what a Cole Kmet was last year, what a Tyler Eifert is, what we think of with, you know, not these George Kittle types, but more so like these Hunter Henry types. Brian Muth is the guy. He's not a terrible blocker. He He's actually pretty decent overall. The problem is that he can be a little bit of a lunger, but he's a really good receiving target. And, and you know, again, we kind of mentioned this. Logan Thomas had a breakout year last year. That's great. Is he a one-year wonder at 29, or is he actually going to be able to take that next elevation and that next step? If that's the case, why not go ahead and add a good backup? Every team wants to run a 12-man personnel. This is what you do when you get Friar I can't believe I even blanked on him right there. He should have been my first pick. I just did an article on him today about why it should be between him and Jabril Cox. At pick number 51, if you go linebacker there, I think you got to go with uh prior move at this position. This is adds another element to the rece- uh, receiving game for, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that this would actually be a really good fit for the future.
0: And at pick 74 overall, uh, you got uh, Stone Forsythe uh, still available, a tackle from Florida. Uh, or uh, let, let's see who else we have.
1: Uh, is, is Deami Brown still available at 74?
0: No, he's not.
1: Dang it. Okay, is Jamar Johnson still available at
0: 74? No, he's not.
1: Wow, I cannot believe Jamar Johnson went off the board this early. Okay, um, what do we have at free safety?
0: Let's see who we have at safety. Uh, Hamza Nasruddin, uh Tyree Gillespie, Ardarius Washington, Andre Cisco, to name a few.
1: Okay, so I'm going to wait until 82 because I know one of them will be there. What do you have at wide receiver? Wide receiver,
0: uh, Tylen Wallace is
1: still available. Nah, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, what do you have at tackle?
0: Uh tackle, like I said, Stone Forsythe. Uh, and uh, James Hudson and uh, Deontay Smith, although uh, we cannot uh, award them Spencer Brown or Hudson. We gave Spencer Brown to the Eagles and James Hudson to the Cowboys.
1: Storm- okay, so here's one that I know is there. He's probably just not that high up on, on Draft Network's big board. And I know the guy's Draft Network. They like this guy, but I definitely know that he's not there. I'm going to go with the big surprise swing. Swing in the dark pick because here's the reason why. They're able to take this swing in the dark because of the Trent Williams trade. Is Walker Little available? Yes, he is. Give me Walker Little. The biggest thing with Walker Little is this is a player who at one point Scouts believed was going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. That's how talented he was. That's how much of a great pass protector he is. Six foot seven, 33.75 inch arms, 313 pounds. One of the top uh, tackles coming out back when he was uh, playing up in Houston, Episcopal High School. But, again, a lot of injuries. Uh, He missed most of the 2019 season, and then he opted out this past season. However, this is a guy who, when he did play, has a great athletic frame. He's good at kicking out blockers. He's really good with his footwork. He's able to meet speed rushers off the edge and hold containment. I think he has really good hands. The biggest question is, how much is he going to play? He's played in one game since 2019. The kicker is, is that we know that right now there's still options at left tackle. They maybe want to go with Cornelius Lucas. They maybe want to go with Jerron Christian. They have options to go into this season to where they could possibly wait a year, figure out what they have, and if they can have a really good off season and a really good practice season with Walker Little, this would make a lot of sense. You get a left tackle – of your future with a pick that you got of your left tackle of the past. Walker Little is the pick.
0: Very, very good thinking there, Cole. And we conclude the three-round mock for the Washington football team with the 82nd overall pick, which was which is their own pick. They got 74 in the uh, Trek-Williams trade. And in terms of uh, safeties, you got Hamza Nasruddin still on the board. Uh, you also got Tyree Gillespie or Ardarius Washington, or Andre Cisco on the board, and in terms of corners, you've got. Uh, let's see who you got in terms of corners. Uh, Paulson Atabo uh, is still available. Elijah Griffin out of USC. Benjamin Saint Juice out of Minnesota. Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. Um, that's uh, all I can mention right now. Uh, any other?
1: Okay, so so let's just go to safety. That we're going to go safety here. I think that safety is probably the best pick for them. Um. This really comes down to, I think, two guys for me. Andre Sisco, I'm very high on Andre Sisco. I very much like his overall game. I think between him and Ifatsu Melifonwu, the two of them have done a really good job building up a chemistry in Syracuse. They just were on a really terrible Syracuse team. But I also really like Tyree Gillespie. I've always thought that Tyree Gillespie was an underrated player. I thought that he had an okay time at the Senior Bowl, but again, he probably is someone who needs to really step up. When you look at the two overall and what Washington needs, Cam Curl was a really great find last year coming out of Arkansas to play that strong safety role in place of Landon Collins. Landon Collins is going to be probably your big box safety, so you need a guy who's probably going to play a little bit more of that single high coverage. For that reason, it might be a little too soon for me to take him But based off what my big board would say and what I would want in a safety, I'm going to go with Tyree Gillespie. I think this is a guy who plays a lot more in the single high position. He can do a really good job uh, mirroring wide receivers. His best game this past season was against Alabama, against Jalen Waddell, against Devonta Smith. Those were two of their weaker games. He actually played very well against Kyle Pitts when they faced off against Florida. He's not afraid to tackle. Uh, He does a very good job, I think, staying above wide receivers in coverage. The one question I have is two years as a starter, he plays the single high all the time, zero career interceptions. That's a little bit worrisome, but I do think that what you're looking for for this defense is someone who can play that single high coverage. Tyree Gillespie is the name that I think makes the most sense here based off my big board. And when you look at what this defense needs, they need a free safety. Tyree Gillespie is a free safety. Lock it up. This is the mock draft.
0: Cole Thompson, ladies and gentlemen of SI.com and fansighted.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. That is is Mr. Cole Thompson. Cole, thank you so much once again for all your insight, analysis, and insider information as well. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but our Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour around the NFL continues in just a few days, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an itunes review and donate to our patreon at patreon.com slash sports crunch so we can improve our itunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like cole thompson you can also follow me on instagram and twitter at dcrom 59 for cole thompson this is david Cromwell saying so long and as usual please wear a mask over your nose wash your hands social distance stay awesome stay safe and when it's your turn and it's coming up soon folks please, please get whatever COVID-19 vaccine is available to you so we can fill the stands at every football stadium in America this fall. Thank you very much, everybody.